Why not start your market analysis now? Like why not start your, your client avatar analysis while you're in the company? Understanding what their pain points are, understanding what kind of transformation are they, look, are they looking for? What type of graphic designs are they, are they looking for? Again, if you're not working with individual people, understanding what your organization is looking for, right? And while you still have your corporate um, identity, it's, easy, it's even easier to network with people in other companies and ask them, what do they do and how do they get bigger clients and how do they um, pay for agencies? Welcome to a solo episode of the Work and Play podcast. So as usual, these solo episodes are always inspired by people I've talked to, clients that I've worked with, or just things that I've learned along the journey in my nine to five to entrepreneurship transition, right? And so as we talk about transitions and life changes and the life journey in general, there's always going to be some, some things that are on my mind that I, th I just think we should talk about. And so this is, you know, I'm getting used to this solo podcast set um, because, you know, there are things that I just kind of want to talk about just me and you. Everything doesn't have to be just me and someone else. And hey, I'm getting comfortable with you guys. You guys are getting comfortable with me. And so I just want us to have some alone time, if that's all right. <laughs> so some of the topics, so the, the two things that, were, that are on my mind that I said I was going to talk about are, um, one, the things that you need to take with you when you leave your nine to five and go into entrepreneurship. And the second thing that came up, and it was in a live conversation I was having, were um, building dis the, the discipline and the habits that you need to build as an entrepreneur before you leave your nine to five. So I thought these were really, really cool conversations to talk about. And I did a little bit of a journal um, just to really think through what are some things that would actually set you up for success when you want to make your transition? Because I will always say like, entrepreneurship isn't necessarily for everybody. However, I definitely think everybody should try it. Like really, really put forth effort to figure it out because we were all entrepreneurs at, at some point. Our harvest was based on the, the sowing that we did. And if you were able to eat, that's because you were able to put food on your table. And now that we have gone from a civilization where uh, we were all kind of hunters, hunters and gatherers to now so a systematized, um, centralized society where everyone kind of relies on the corporation to get their um, you know, food, essentially, or resources, and every, everybody's in a collective city, then we started to learn a whole new way of life. And because of that new way of life, I think a lot of people take for granted that we can actually use our own capabilities, our gifts, and our abilities to go out there and get it on our own. When I was in, in corporate America, I just knew that I was never going to go into entrepreneurship. Like, I never could fathom why someone would want to go into sales. Like, so you have to be on commission? That means, like, if you, if you don't do any work, you don't get any money? Because, oh, yeah, like, of course, I'm just not going to get any work done in a 40-hour work week. But I never, ever considered at that point that if you were in sales... There's no cap on the money that you can actually get until I started talking to people who were making like a, a base salary, right, of like $30,000, but then took home about $250,000 because of their work ethic. And it didn't necessarily take anything out of them when they went into um, sales because that's what they like to do. That was their personality. 
well, there was a time where I wasn't really hip to my personality either. So there's no surprise that I just did not see a world outside of like the hamster wheel that just made sense. And so even though I thrusted myself into this experience of like going into entrepreneurship and making a career of my own, there were some things that if I knew what I was getting into, I probably could have just done that, done it a little bit sooner. And I have also noticed that there were some things that I was setting myself up for that I'm super, super duper grateful for that will possibly help you in your transition. So on the topic of things that you need to take with you when you go into entrepreneurship, I think the one word that I could sum it up with is resources, right? When you're at a corporation, if you hate your job, you can't take for granted the fact that you have resources in abundance at your fingertips. I mean, I want to bucket it in like different, like, so human capital is one, information is two, and then like physical resources, that's three, right? And I'm pretty sure I can think of a few other ones, but we'll keep those three buckets and I'll talk about it in, um, in order, right? So human capital. When you go into entrepreneurship, one of the things that I learned was like, if you have a group of entrepreneurial friends and they have a certain work ethic, that's like now that I have the work ethic, which is like we work and, you know, we focus on business and we work on growing our, our enterprise, right? Then the ability to tap into other people could be limited, right? I'll give you an example. When I was the first corporate job I ever had, I was like, I worked at Target and they had these things called coffee chats. No, they were called get to know you, GTKYs. You put it on the calendar and it would just be GTKYs. And if someone put a GTKY on your calendar, you knew that you were either going to meet at the clock and just have a great conversation or take a walk in the skyway and just get to know each other. Well, when you can get to know someone, you can literally get to know like the vice president of a department. You can meet so many great and wonderful people, ask them questions and then get mentorship. You don't have to, you don't have to formally ask someone to be your mentor, but just by having coffee chats or uh, get to know you's, you can literally learn from anyone. Well, when you become an entrepreneur, sometimes information costs, right? A 30 minute conversation or consultation just to say, hey, am I doing this right? Or am I, you know, should I do it left or right? That costs a lot of times. It's very rare that you'll get a chance to have a free conversation with someone to just think through the strategy. Um, so when you find that it's golden because utilizing that 60 minute time block to really think through your strategy through entrepreneurship, you know, it's, it's priceless. But when you in corporate America, you kind of take for granted the information that you have at your fingertips, right? So the people that you can actually interface with, be that leaders of organizations, um, also like subject matter experts, right? Or your potential clients. Those are three types of people that you can leverage when you're in an organization before you actually leave. When you leave your company, you don't have your access to your emails anymore. You don't have internal access to the people that you want to talk to. You can't just run up on them at their desk. And so you have to work through LinkedIn or try to get on them, get to them on Instagram. And that kind of stuff is just 
it's just redundant if you work in a company with 80,000 or more people and they're at your fingertips, you can literally walk to their cubicle or their desk or wherever they are in the company and get to know them. So I said leaders. When you're, when you're thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, depending on the type of leader that you want to be, you might want to establish a, another organization, essentially, if you, unless you want to just be like a solopreneur for the rest of your life. Myself, I don't want to be a solopreneur for the rest of my life. So tapping into people who run organizations, who run departments and understand chain of command, structure, communication styles, uh, morale, tips on how to make a team work. You can literally ask these questions of people who are currently in the business. Now, you don't have to go up in there and say, well, hey, I'm running my business and I need help running, building a team for my business. But you can be genuinely interested in their career journey and ask them how they learn on how to be managers, how to build a team, how to learn how to tap into the market and do competitive analysis in a way that, you know, bring moves the company further. Those strategies, those tips from leaders who have been in organizations for 15, 20 years and have gone to the top of the ladder. That is information that's not always at the fingertips of entrepreneurs. So if you have that currently at, at your disposal, I highly suggest you go ahead and start asking questions, have more coffee chats, have more get to know you conversations and just get to know some of the people who are in your organization and learn how they learn how to build a, an organization. How do they manage teams? How do they learn how to become leaders? Because eventually you want to be a leader, right? So I would just suggest that when it comes to human capital and leadership in your organization, getting close to those people and learning how they run the organization will definitely give you a leg up. Now, the second thing that I said, let's see, what did I say? I said leadership. I said subject matter experts. And I think I might have also said clients. Yeah, because when you think about subject matter experts, as an entrepreneur, when you're starting out, unless you have a venture capitalist and they give you tons of money, you're going to be doing things on your own for a little while. So if you're going to be doing something like systems. So I love systems, but not because I love systems. It's just because I was raised in corporate America. I know data like the back of my hand. I built systems. I like queries because that was my job. And so I'm good at it. But there are people who are way better at it and they know other things like, you know, data things that just will blow my mind because I never got that curious about it. So what I would do before I actually left my job was reach out to people and ask them to shadow to ask to shadow them. There was, you know, I didn't work with a lot of Tableau in my role, but there was a person who sat right next to me who I could sit down and say, hey, can you teach me how to use Tableau? And because I had those types of conversation, data visualization, my data visualization skills went to the next level because where I was at, I was building queries. I was doing the analytics. I was data mining. But the data visualization is where it's at, because when you when you can't visualize the data and tell the story, you're not necessarily expanding your skill set so that you can talk to people about why this data is important. <clears throat> and so, excuse me. <clears throat> so if you think about the subject matter experts in your company, who do you want to talk to? Who do you, how do you want to leverage your skill sets? Here's another example. You could be in finance, right? Um, or you could be in marketing, finance or marketing, let's say either way. And you want to go into a marketing company. So let's say you're in finance, you want to go into a marketing company. You have these creative skills and you've always wanted to build a business around it. Well, 
when you become an entrepreneur, it's not like you can knock on your next um, graphic designer who's an entrepreneur and ask them about their sauce. One, they're not going to tell you if they don't know you because that's their secret sauce. But they also don't know you. So it's hard to have a really fully fledged conversation about protecting information that they currently built in their organization. Well, if you're in an organization and there's um, a marketing department, why not get comfortable with conversing with people in the marketing department? You have information at your fingertips on how to do creative, how to source um, clients. And if you're in corporate America and you want to go into B2B, so business to business, and you don't want to work with you know individual clients, learning how agencies propose um, contracts and how much these companies are actually paying for gives you the inside information on how to set your prices when you become an entrepreneur. You don't have to go in. Well, so here's, there's the thing. People go into entrepreneurship and they charge like $27 for an hour of their time, right? And then some people talk about high value, um, high value ticket, high ticket sales for individual clients. Well, if you want to go into B2B, there is small business, there is mid-sized business, there are corporations, and each person, there are even agencies, and they cut checks at different sizes. So depending on the value that you want to bring to the marketplace, you may be working in your client. You, your, your company may be your actual client in the future. So tapping into people who are currently doing that work, who are making those decisions with external people, with other entrepreneurs or influencers on, on social media, who are tapping into marketing departments or vice versa. We were talking about finance departments as well. So if you're in marketing and you want to know how people set up like, you know, the business, I wouldn't necessarily, hey, everybody's path is different. So I'm, th I'm just thinking about a creative who decides to go and run a finance company, which could possibly happen because they could run the books for their own company and learn that they're really passionate about, you know, building spreadsheets and creating things that help people get financial freedom. So, hey, that is definitely a career path that is possible. So when we think about um, using human capital for that reason, you need to tap into that information. And the last part is your, your clientele. So the people you might actually help and serve could be right there next to you in cubicle A and cubicle C, and they need your help, right? One of the things that you really have to get clear on when you become an entrepreneur is what is your who is your client avatar and what is your niche? When you are a solo entrepreneur, you might be used to, when you're in corporate America, you might be used to working with different niches, right? So I work at an airline. I know that we have a premium customer, we have a mid-sized customer, and then we have our economical uh, customers, right? And we speak to them in different ways. M many times we only spoke to the premium customer. And if you want to take that route, that means that you need to know your avatar. Who is the one person that you're going to focus on in your marketing? And the others will come. When you think about a Delta, they only market to premium customers. But does that stop the college student from buying a ticket, um, basic economy? No. No. They keep their avatar very clear. And then they attract the clients who want to fly from Atlanta to Dubai. And that's just what it is. So when you go into entrepreneurship, the same applies. Knowing who your client avatar is and then knowing what your niche is, meaning knowing what you want to serve that person within uh, with what you want to serve your client avatar within different niches. You're going to need to know that information. So why not start your market analysis now? 
Like why not start your, your client avatar analysis while you're in the company? Understanding what their pain points are. Understanding what kind of transformation are they, look, are they looking for? What type of graphic designs are they, are they looking for? Again, if you're not working with individual people, understanding what your organization is looking for, right? And while you still have your corporate um, identity, it's, easy, it's even easier to network with people in other companies and ask them, what do they do and how do they get bigger clients and how do they um, pay for agencies to work with them? That information is much easier to tap into when you're internal versus when you're external and you're trying to ask people about their, their systems on the inside. So I would say your human capital would be leaders in an organization, subject matter experts, and clientele that are it's, information is in abundance when you're in a corporation. So I highly suggest you think about that. The other part of resources that you're going to, because remember, we're talking about when you're going, when you're leaving your nine to five and you're going into entrepreneurship, what resources or what type of things can you take with you along the way? I talked about human capital, which are, which is human resources. And then you can talk, you can think about resources from an actual tangible I'll say information, because when you say information, that includes your IP, your intellectual property, as much as you can salvage, um, your smile file. So I say I say I keep a smile file and I've learned this since college. A smile file is an email folder that keeps all of your accomplishments in there. So you can always remember. And this is typically for review time. Right. So that you can always remember what your accomplishments are at, at the company, some of the tangibles, like what are the numbers behind your accomplishments um, or who are the people that you've affected. And that way you can keep your, your smile file and be able to communicate those kinds of things. Also, there are people that you want to stay in contact with, right? Which still kind of goes in the people um, bucket, but there's also just emails and things like that that you want to still kind of continue having conversations with people who actually still want to stay in contact with you. Um, and so I think I think I would actually add that to the people sex side because there are um, not only clients but colleagues that you'll want to work with. And one of the things that I do with my clients is have them write a two weeks notice to get comfortable with that. What does that feeling actually feel like, right? When you, because when you envision your two weeks notice, you're you're putting it into the the um, the universe that you want to leave your job and you're envisioning how you're going to say it, how you're going to express yourself. And it might not always happen as you plan it, but you're getting your mindset ready for that day, which is why I do that exercise. But an exercise that goes along with that is writing out an email that goes to your close friends and your, your colleagues, your work friends, right? And then also people who have just, you've worked with an organization. So there's two emails that I like to send, that one where you keep in touch with people that you've, you've had lunch with. You you talked a little bit outside of work. You follow each other on Instagram. These are people that you want to stay in contact with. You'll want to send an email that lets them know how you appreciate them. And I'm telling you this because you don't want the day to come where you actually leave and you haven't told some of the people that you're really close with that you're leaving. And I don't know about you, but I used to, so I was, I moved from Niagara Falls to Atlanta when I was six years old. And when you think about the people that you left behind, those who you want to stay in contact with, it's a terrible feeling when you just, you'll never see them again. 
Now, we live in the day of Facebook and Instagram, so you can probably always find people. However, you know, just as much as I know, when you're in corporate America, your profiles are pri private. Your real names are probably never on your social media. So it's actually pretty hard to get in contact with some people if they don't want to be found. So why not get their information now before you actually leave? I'm going to put that in the human bucket. But then when it comes to like the information bucket, um, we're talking about like, um, IP, so any projects that you've worked on, the the way the way that I think about retaining your IP, I'm not saying that okay, well if you created a project um, for Delta and you want to recreate it, and that's not what I'm talking about. But it, your thought process, thinking about the way you thought about things, no one can ever take that from you. Your ideas are your ideas. So if there's something that you you worked on and you had a whole thought process behind it, take that with you and remember, that's gonna come up again when you create your business. There's going to be something that you created that did not become something at your company and you will want to use that intellectual property again in a different way. So why not think about it now? All of the projects that you've ever worked on, all of the proposals that you've sent over, all of the ways that you've thought about improving the company that you work for, and do that for yourself. I think that is totally fine. That's your intellectual property, it's yours. Nobody can ever take that from you. And then the last thing is processes. If there are processes that you've created within an organization and you use them every day to handle client meetings, to handle project management processes, to manage programs, like all of that stuff, all those processes and that structure and any type of deck that you've created that has an organization chart on it, those charts, all of that stuff, you're going to need it when you create your business. I'm getting super passionate about this because... When we go into entrepreneurship, we think creative only and then we think revenue second, but we never think about the structure. And the structure is what's going to take us from solo entrepreneur to enterprise. And I want you to go to enterprise. So if you think about the information that you can take with you from your nine to five, then it's that information that you've worked on. It's those it's those spreadsheets that you've created. It's those those that one pagers that you've created. It's those charts, all those things that you you thought through, you're going to want to still use those resources because it'll probably become your stamp on your business because that's the way you think. And I don't want you to, to recreate the will when you go into a consulting business when you've been a consultant for five, 10 years at a company. That makes no sense. And it's not, you don't want to take the, the, the information that the company has and you literally like take it and run with it. But the things that you've created Use that thought process and create something awesome without starting all the way over. So those are a couple things that I think you can take with you on your journey into entrepreneurship that you should, if you're not already doing it, then you need to be thinking about it right now. Have those conversations. Think about the projects that you're working on. Create that smile file because whether you're going into entrepreneur or entrepreneurship or not, that smile file is really helpful for annual reviews. Because when we get to the annual review and writing down those bullets of what have I accomplished this year, oh, uh, nine, and then what I don't, hey, I, this is my podcast and I can say what I want. But I've never liked when my bosses gave me bullets to put on my annual review. Like, I just, I don't know. It, it was helpful because now you understand at a high level the um, company, like the department goals and the things that you contributed to. I will say that that was helpful. I'm thinking about this as I, as I, um, I'm saying this as I speak. So 
What I guess I will say is if you work in a department where your boss is giving you bullets on like, hey, this is but this is what we've accomplished as a team. Then I think what you should do is add bullets that that says what you did to contribute to that overall team goal. Because I, th I think it's important when you go to create your resume that when your your boss's boss creates bullets that say, hey, we built we generate we generated nine hundred million dollars on this rollout of this brand. You'll want to be a part of that. You'll want to write that on your resume and, and indicate the the work that you've actually put into it. So I take that back. Um, you'll just want to add things that are also specific to you and that's in your smile file. So, you know, I, I say I don't necessarily recant my statement, but I add a little bit to it. Um, and then the second thing that I wanted that I wanted to talk about was um, Let's see, what was it? Discipline. It was the it wasn't just discipline. It's the habits that you have to build to become an entrepreneur. There are a few habits that I didn't necessarily have um, that I wish I that I wish I had thought about before I left. And there are also some habits that I built in, in my journey that really were helpful. So I'll go with the negative first and then we'll end on a positive note. So one of the things when I put in my two weeks notice, I had a whole exit strategy to leave. But then when I left, I thought I was going to get right to work on that next Monday and go, 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 go. Well, I didn't even have really a structure that I was going to utilize when I create when I went into my my new nine to five. Right. Because entrepreneurship is not always a 10 to two. <laughs> it's sometimes you work longer than nine to five. And so for the first like three to four weeks, I slept in almost you know, 40 to 60 percent of the uh, that's what I know. It's a long spread. But hey, I slept in a lot. I slept in a lot and you know, I just recovered and I went to the park and I just revived myself. I went to, you know, just enjoy myself. I did things. I went to open mic nights. Like there were just things that I just did and I didn't provide myself a lot of structure. Um, and, and maybe that was rightfully so. I knew when I when I quit my job, there were things that I never tested before. I was a data analyst and I say this all the time, like, but I actually didn't mind the work. So data analytics is, is great for a lot of people. I geek out when it comes to spreadsheets, depending on the data that we're talking about. So let me not make it sound like I don't appreciate the data analytics role. Um, but it never allowed me to test out like I, I like to sing a lot. So I sang. I went to open mic nights. I did that kind of stuff. Um, I, I got into a little bit of like shrubbery. I'm not really a plant mom, but I tried it. Um, I actually volunteered at a, a um, shelter for young people experiencing homelessness. I did that for a year and that taught me a lot. It really actually informed um, everything that I do now when it comes to social work, but we're not here to talk about that and I don't want to get off track. We're talking about like the habits that we built up or that you should build um, or that and even that I built in the process of going into entrepreneurship. So um, when it comes to building habits, um, the first thing I'll talk about was the fact the first thing that I mentioned was that I slept in. So having a, a structure, knowing what time you're going to wake up, what are you going to do during the day? And I say I always say start with more structure than less. Even if you're not really a structured person, I get it. You don't like structure. It's better to start with a lot of structure and pair back than to start with no structure and try to work your way into it. 
That's just the way things work for me. So I say plan your day out and then you can get more flexible with your afternoons if you want to or your mornings if you want to. Um, another bad habit um, or that, that a habit that I should have probably started to build. Um, yes, yes, it was finances because um, I had established that I was leaving. So I, I financially was set. I saved a lot of money. I thought about like, you know, saving every week so that I can have my my lump sum of cash to last me six to six to what was it? Three to six months. I think I had a couple had about five digits in there. Um, and but what I did, I wasn't necessarily thinking about cash flow. I wasn't thinking about generating income when I left. I was just going to live off of my my savings. I was just going to live off of my savings and I was just going to do it that way. But I would say a habit that would have um, really leveled me up is just thinking about my finances, thinking about cash flow and how I was going to input ways to like get small money, even if it wasn't for like even like the high ticket um, coaching that I do now, I would be able to at always have a positive cash flow or maybe I wouldn't be I wouldn't have been like um, spending as much um, um, or I would say an, such a negative cash flow, meaning I would have been bringing in some money, even just a little bit, as opposed to just living off of my money. Because when I actually did start generating revenue again, it was kind of like, oh, OK, now I got money again and I have to figure out how this works out because there's a transition. If you think about it, you go from your salary. If you just have your one job, you go from your salary to entrepreneurship. What that means is you you have probably multiple streams of income and then you had your one stream of income. That that period in between where you're not making money, money, much money at all. If you do it the way that I did it, which I actually left but without having the business concept already established. What you can do is create ways for you to generate um, revenue, like in any type of positive cash flow, um, which will then keep you in the habit of thinking about your your business accounts, thinking about your your personal bank accounts, you know, just thinking about resources as the money is coming in. Because I think that muscle got a little weak because I wasn't really making money. I wasn't counting money. I wasn't thinking about my 401k. I wasn't being as financially savvy in that period of my time, in that time of my life. So a habit that you definitely want to think about now is thinking about your cash flow and thinking about it as cash flow, not thinking about it as bills, not thinking about it as your paycheck, thinking about it as positive and negative cash flow. And that comes from my financial mentor who I really, really appreciate. Um, shout out to Curtis Banks because if it wasn't for him, I don't know if I probably at the time where I met him, I probably would still have been living on my, my savings and it got me through a long time, but I, I hadn't started thinking about how I was going to bring in positive income revenue. So I'm just glad I had a conversation with him when I did, because it really changed my perspective on things. So there were a couple of things that I did do that I think really does help and that you should probably do when you go into entrepreneurship. And, um, that is create like owning your time. So this kind of goes to the fact that um, part of what I did when it comes to owning your time that I didn't do right was waking up late. I didn't have a structure for the full day. But what I did do was things like um, I decided to become a fitness instructor because what that did for me was one, it pulled me away from the computer at five o'clock on the dot. 
and so I could actually leave because, oh, your girl will work until six and seven o'clock at night if she had a project to work on, depending on what it was that I was working on. One, because I was having coffee chats during the day and I wasn't necessarily doing my work, or two, because I would get distracted and I wasn't being as productive, or three, because I was just kind of, let me get this done. I don't have anything to do today anyway, so I'm just working a full day at work and I didn't have anything to do at, at that night. So, you know, the company got my nightlife as well. So um, when you think about owning your time, I would put on the calendar. This is my, my story. What, what I did was um, I became an instructor and I started to teach classes at six o'clock at, at, in the afternoon. And I had just 30 minutes to get there. So it would give me a buffer of about 15 minutes to still kind of do a couple things, say bye to a couple people and get out of there on time so that I can go and teach my class on time because that was my responsibility. It was a habit that I built for myself so that one, I can stay in shape. And then so two, I can pull away from the company and start working on myself more than I did on my company. It was, I literally wrote that on my whiteboard, work on yourself more than you do on your company. Um, and so that's one of those things that helped me own my time a little bit more and, and invest in myself. Investing in yourself is another thing. Ooh, let's get there. So if you're in corporate America, chances are you probably spent at least four years in post-graduate post, uh, education. Um, not postgraduate education, just education, you, undergrad education. And so you already know the value of educate or at least you you might I might think you understand the value of education but a lot of 70% of people aren't even doing you know what their undergraduate degree says they were supposed to be doing so I'll say this you you've already invested a couple hundred a couple thousand dollars in your education at this point so you want to start thinking about investing in yourself continuing to invest in yourself monetarily as well as like you know physically and in, in reading books and personal development because personal development is one of those things that really changed my life the first book that ever changed my behavior in the workplace was presence and this is a book by amy cuddy that that talks about um, how do you show up in the workplace and basically using your body to send a message to your mind that signals presence it signals confidence it allows you to show up in meetings more confidently and when i read that book i showed up differently i showed up differently and i was actually at a place where my boss had actually told me i don't know if you're happy so i said this is a long story to tell you that like personal development is definitely a habit that you want to start building before you go into entrepreneurship because you're going to need that and continue to invest in yourself monetarily reading all the time fitness invest your investment in your education does not stop with college. Your investment in your education continues for your, the rest of your life, whether you, you pay for people for consultations or whether you pay for a course or whether you go back to post-secondary um, education. Like all of that is investing in yourself or just reading a book 10 pages a day. Shout out to the morning meetup because that was definitely a helpful habit that I could have built if I was in my nine to five, but I found the morning meetup as an entrepreneur. I was already an entrepreneur. So it, it just gave me a little bit more structure to my day because we wake up at eight o'clock. Well, really we have our call at eight o'clock. I wake up at about five o'clock now that I work out with the accountability buddy group um, because I no longer teach bar. So habits owning your time uh creating a schedule thinking about your your income cash flow 
um, being the way we think about it, positive or negative cash flow and um, personal development, which is really important. Um, I would say the last habit that I want to touch on would be, you know, getting out there, putting yourself out there, creating a habit of brainstorming and coming up with new ideas. One of the things that I do in my coaching sessions is um, ideation, pitching, and testing. And the reason that I have this concept is because as an entrepreneur, you're always trying new ideas. You might have a consistent stream of income, but you're always trying new ways to innovate that idea. And the same goes within companies. You're always thinking about continuous improvement. So why not always think about how do I pitch this new idea to my boss? How does this, in, um, how does this impact the bottom line? Is this a cool idea? Test it out. Now, when it comes to IP, if you feel so inclined to keep your great ideas to yourself, do so. But get comfortable with just sharing ideas to your bosses and and getting comfortable with testing them and getting comfortable with, you know, pitching them and seeing if they stick. And if they do, take it like you don't have just because you pitch an idea and they decide to go run, run with the project doesn't mean you have to work at the company for the next two years of the rollout of the project. You can literally be the person who generated the program and then you can walk away and establish your own thing. So I don't want you to feel committed to a company that's technically not committed to you especially especially if you're a full-time employee or even a contract employee many times companies break those contracts all the time so your company is not your husband your company is not your wife and um, even then people get divorced but when we're talking about contracts and we're talking about like um, being committed I think the company is the one of the last things that you want to be committed to um, but you do want to have that relationship where there's loyalty and there's respect and you want your job. You care about your job so much that it is a business for you that because of your performance on the job, that's why they want you to work for them. Not because of your love for the company. You might like the culture, but not because you like the logo or the brand or because you used to like, you know, cell phones when you were a little kid and now you work for a cell phone company. Literally, it's because of the work that you put in and the results you drive. And because of the effort that you put into your, your work as an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur, which is what I call it sometimes, that is why people want you to work in their company for nothing more, nothing less. And this is coming from a person who probably got her job because people liked her, you know, like kept her job because people liked her. So and I'm, not, I'm not telling you to actually, that's not a, it's not a strategy that actually is sustainable in corporate America. So I wouldn't necessarily suggest that. And I'm being very transparent with you. So I am going to cut this episode at, at me pouring out my heart to you guys. And I hope you did get some value from this conversation because there are things that you can be doing to prepare yourself for entrepreneurship before you actually leave. So if this was helpful, then let me know. Y'all all, you know where to find me. I'm on Instagram at Ariel Young, A-R-Y-L-L-E-Y-O-U-N-G underscore. I definitely would love to continue this conversation. I'm going to post a little bit of this on my page, you already know, and then we will continue to have this conversation and I'll continue to help you along your journey. So um, if you have any other questions, reach out to me. If you're interested in coaching and you wanna learn how to navigate this, this journey from corporate to entrepreneurship and you're figuring out how you're going to navigate. You got your ethics strategy together, but you maybe haven't necessarily thought about what that entrepreneurial world might look like or how to set up your business or how to get in, how to get, how to get clients, you know, building up the habit of actually getting clients every day. is a whole new thing for me. 
But I enjoy it now because I was scared at first. Um, when you're not necessarily sure how to reach out to people, you feel like you are bugging people. But when you realize how much people need help, then you realize you've really just been playing yourself and you've been playing other people because they've been waiting on you to help them. So that was a whole other mindset shift. So we'll talk about that another time. Maybe the next episode will be about the mindset shift. That might be it. So I'm going to leave you with that. You guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. And I will catch you next time.